Well, good morning, everybody. It's good, good to be together. So glad you're here. Uh, yesterday was Veterans Day, and uh, we want to want to pause. And I come from a long line of veterans. My father, brother, brother-in-law, <coughs> nephews, niece, uh, as do you. Uh, you know, uh, today active there. You know, a hundred hundred active wars today. It's probably, you know, it's somewhere around there. It's probably, it's just true all the time. Of course, our attention goes to Ukraine, Israel and Gaza. Um, and, and you think about our veterans and, and you have them in your mind. And I'm looking at some of you. We have one leading us this morning. Um, you're invisible until you're needed. And when you're needed, you're always available. And we live our lives, you know, y'all, we go about our world and our life with no thoughts of these things because there are those who choose to give their lives in that way. And so uh, we wanna remember and, and honor you, those of you who actively serve now or have, or, or, or mem- remembering those in your world and your sphere of influence. So I'm gonna invite you to pray. Would you do that? Would you bow your heads? I'm gonna give you time to pray for those that you in your world and sphere pray and thank God for those veterans in your circle of life. And then I will, I will, I will end that prayer together with a corporate prayer. So bow your head and pray. Thank God for those who serve in such a way. Father, we come and before your throne to say thank you for those men and women who serve in the armed forces. For they serve not just for themselves and their families, but they serve each one of us. So many millions that don't even know their names. We remember them today and give thanks. We pray your favor and your blessing over and upon them, your protection and your keeping May we be a country that always honors those who serve us in such ways. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, each one of you who who are serving or who have served, we're grateful. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 16. Y'all, we're in the last three verses of chapter 16. And um, I've got a couple questions I'm gonna ask you. And, and you know, when I ask you these questions, oftentimes I'll say, don't raise your hand, but I'm gonna say, raise your hand on this one. And, and no one's gonna be stuck on an island, trust me, when, when, I do, when I have you do this, but I'm gonna do this because it orients us, it points us toward and gets us prepared really for the words that Jesus has to say to us today. How many of us, I'm gonna raise, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna participate. You know, I'm not just setting an example. I'm going, this is, I'm gonna answer the question. How many of us who say we believe, you know, we have faith, actually struggle with our faith, actually at times wonder if our faith is strong, wonder if it's strong enough, wonder if it's flawed. How many of us? I, 
I literally believe it's true, it's me. Let me ask a second question. How many of us who say we believe, we say we, we have faith in Christ, have actually at times not had faith? Like we say we trust Christ, but you know, we, we don't have faith to trust him in that moment or that interaction. How many of us do that? Yeah, the second question, by the way, is just this. How many of us sin? That's all that question was, right? Because apart from, you know, Paul says apart from, if it's not a faith, it's, it's sin. Uh, if, you, if you didn't raise your hand, whatever, you know, it's okay whether you raise it in your mind or you raised your hand. Um, I would suggest that it's not because uh, you, you have, so to speak, flawed faith or, or, you know, a problem with your faith. It's because faith is, uh, is in a sense, is progressive. Rob mentioned last week, you know, the disciples, when they started following Jesus, they didn't know who they were following. <laughs> they were really kind of clueless in many ways. And even three years in, as we'll see today, you know, they're still lacking, lacking a lot. I like the way Rob said it. He said their, their faith was a gradual perceiving, a deepening perceiving. But then in verse 28 in our text, chapter 16, or we'll, we'll go down below it, but you know, they have their aha moment. I want you to look at that, 28 to 30. One, just this is Rob covered last week, but note, note in your Bibles, Jesus says, I came from the Father and have come into the world and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. And here it comes. Oh, got it. Verse 29, his disciples said, ah, and it, it really is. And the, uh, aha, oh, oh, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Don't miss 31. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Like, like that's how it came out. It, it was an interrogative, it, it's a question. <laughs> In other words, the disciples say, ah, uh-huh, we believe. Jesus says, do you now believe? John has written the entire gospel with one aim in mind, that those who read it would believe. And so I don't think it's any accident that Jesus here in the final three verses of chapter 16, and by the way, these will be the last words Jesus speaks directly to, directly at the disciples. We're getting ready to take a break for Advent. Come the first part of January, we'll jump back in in chapter 17. They're still in the upper room, but do you know that whole chapter is the high priestly prayer? And so that whole chapter, we're flies on the wall. And we just get to listen and watch Jesus pray to the Father. So, so these are the final words, okay, in the upper room that he has to say directly to them. And it's not a surprise. And what he has to say to them has to do with faith, with belief, with how he, how, hear this, how he shapes faith in his disciples. And that means how he shapes faith in us. Follow along in verses 31 to 33. Here's God's living word for us today. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Verse 32, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 
in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I love it that we have a shorter passage. I'm gonna do something a little different here with this shorter passage. I'm gonna walk through the passage with five statements. Each statement tied to one of the sentences within our text. So I'm just gonna walk you through five statements and these five statements will walk us through the passage. Let me start with number one, first part of verse 32. And I'll I'll put these up on the screen. Jesus says, their faith will falter and fail. They're they're going to blow it. They're gonna miss it here. Jesus says it, their faith will falter and fail. Behold, the hour is coming, indeed has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. This is not what they expected themselves to do. We know this is not what they expected themselves to do because earlier, chapter 13, he, he, he tells them, I'm going and where I'm going, you can't come, i.e. what I'm getting ready to go through, uh, you can't go with me. This is my life, death, resurrection. This is my work of redemption on your behalf. And Peter says, no, I'll go. Are you, are you crazy? I'm, I'm coming and, and, and I'll die for you. <laughs> That's his statement. And what does he say to Peter? He says, no, you're, you're not gonna die for me. You're actually gonna deny you know me three times, okay? We often look at Peter as the great denier, you know, but let's not miss this. Matthew 26, 31, Jesus says to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. It's a quotation from Zechariah 13. That, that, that God actually strikes the shepherd, not the enemies of God in a sense. Do you hear this? God strikes the shepherd in that prophecy and all the sheep scatter and flee. Jesus tells them before it happens, your faith will falter and fail. Then he makes a second statement. Jesus says their failure of faith will their failure of faith has no bearing on God's ultimate purpose and purposes and plans. Like he's, he's, he's given them the future. <laughs> These next few, 48 hours are gonna unfold. He says, says, their failure of faith has no bearing on God's ultimate purposes and plans. Yet I'm not alone. Look, you're gonna, you're gonna leave me. Oh, I, I, I'm not going to be alone for the father is with me. In his hour of greatest need, right? They do what they didn't think they would do. <laughs> They leave him. Remember last week, Rob drew our attention to that phrase, the father loves you, is verse 27. And so good. And he made the point, he goes, you know, the love that Jesus knows and experiences from his father, he wants you all, he wants us to actually feel that or know that ourselves. It's like, if you've ever been somewhere, you've ever done anything, You've ever seen something and it's like, it took your breath away. And, and there's a party that went, man, I wish my wife was here. Oh my gosh, I wish my friend was here. I wish my kids could see that. I wish, do you know what I'm saying? You have these things and you go, it, it's awesome. I can't believe it. There's no words to describe it. I wish they were here. Could know what I know. This is, this is what Jesus is gonna do for us in going to the cross. Is there anything greater than the love of God where there's something equal and that would be this, the very presence of God. 
like Jesus's experience of his connection with his father. Listen, it's like, you guys gotta know this too. <laughs> and you will because of what I'm going through. Now you're gonna flee. You're gonna leave me alone. But understand the father is not leaving me alone. Because I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, you can know your heavenly father will not ever leave you alone either. Ever, ever leave you alone. Third, he says, Jesus says, there's, there's, there is the possibility of peace. <laughs> What's gonna happen unfold in these next days? There is, understand there is the possibility of peace. I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. I say possibility because that is what the, the Greek text has. The mood of that verb have in this instance is subjunctive. It's, it's subjunctive, which means it's a possibility. That's why the translators say may have. They don't say in me, you have peace. It says the idea is that hey, you can have peace in me. Second, this word peace, we, we've covered this. This is review. It's not the first time we've seen him speak of this. It's not the last. Back in 1427, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We noted then that, that this word peace, Old Testament is shalom. We get to the New Testament, it's arene. Uh, the idea most important. And Rob says this, I say this, you hear it from both of us all the time, is that when you think biblical peace, it's not the absence of conflict. You know, we want peace in the Middle East. Biblical peace would not be just a ceasefire. See, biblical peace carries this idea of fullness, wholeness. It's, a, it's like this phrase, biblical peace carries this sense of oh, all is well. Even deeper, all is as it should be. <laughs> it's the fullness, you see, of peace. When we think of the biblical word peace, I don't wanna, I don't wanna misspeak here, but I was just trying to go, what, what, what do we get to this word? I, I think we're getting really kind of close to biblical peace when we use the word contentment. I'm talking deep contentment. Honestly, I think for most people, you know, in, in our fallenness, contentment, it's like a flash. You know, there, you know, there's moments when it's just like, it's just contentment. And yet, you know, in this life, they, they, they just, it's just kind of come and go. And, and the truth is, even if we really thought about how content we are, we'd realize Oh my gosh, yeah, but I got to take care of that when I get home. You know what I'm saying? There's no deep, deep contentment, which, which reminds us when you speak of biblical peace, um, nothing in this world can, can give it. Nothing in this world can secure it. Nothing in this world can bring it because God did not create all of creation to give us peace. That wholeness and fullness is only found in him. Like it's just, he is that for us. Finally, perhaps the most important little statement in this little tiny phrase in this sentence, I have said these things to you that in me, 
you may have peace would be the in me. That in me, you may have peace. This is, this is where we understand, okay, it's, it's a possibility and it's a real possibility and he wants us to have it, but we've gotta be real careful here how we understand it. And so this is a bit of, it's not even an excursus. This is really true. We need to understand this in the context of the text. When you think of salvation, think of, think of it like salvation. You know, there's a big category of we're, we're saved salvation. And under this big heading of salvation, you've got to understand the Bible writers describe our salvation, it, it, at least in, in, in these three categories. Salvation, salvation is, it's, it's becoming and it will be underneath salvation. Lloyd, what do you mean? We've covered this before many times, but this is so critical to your journey of faith. That in salvation, the, the biblical writers understand that when you put your faith in Christ, when we trust Jesus, that he died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again, he did it for us. That in that moment, we experience salvation. Slicing the onion thinner, we experience what theologians in the Bible calls justification. Like in that moment, we are declared righteous. It's no righteousness of our own. It is as they say, an alien righteousness that God declares us righteousness, righteous. And we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That's our, we are justified. That's our justification. There's coming a day when if you've put your faith in Christ, you will be glorified. It's our glorification. And that is a coming day when as Paul says, we will see Jesus just as he is because we'll be just like him. That's not now per se, but it's, it's as certain as our justification. You can't separate these three things. But between our justification and our glorification, there's what we call our sanctification. This time period between the moment you trust Christ and the, the moment Christ returns or you die, to see him, we're living life right now. Like we are all in our sanctification. And in this time, you'll hear us talk about, and the Bible talks about our growth in Christ-likeness. That, that in real time, you and I deepen our faith. We trust Christ more and Christ is shaped our character is changed and transformed by the spirit that lives within us. And over this time of sanctification, we grow in Christ likeness. The moment you trust Christ, yes, you are in him, okay? But this peace that Jesus is talking about when he says, in me, you may have peace. He's not talking about you're in him in the sense of your justification and your glorification, but in him in the sense of your sanctification. You're going, Lord, I, you lost me right there. What do you mean in him? Either I'm in him or I'm not. Well, yes, you are in him. But our experience of this peace, you see, is when we are resting fully in him. When we're dependent upon the spirit. And if this is kind of a tough one to get, Jesus knew it would be. And so he, he, Jesus looked at him earlier and Rob did an amazing job on it and said, look, it's, hey, it's like a vine and a branch. And see, we get this now. We don't, we're not even vine growers. We get it. That the life is in the vine. The peace is in the vine. The fullness is in the vine. Branch, stay in the vine. 
depend on the vine. Oh, and that peace flows through you. <laughs> Do you get the picture now? See, so, so when he says, in me, you may have peace, he's saying, branch in the vine in me, abide in me, which Rob reminded us that word means remain in me, trust in me. And that life flows through us. Fourth, Jesus says, there is no escaping trouble in this world. Can't do it. There is no escaping trouble in this world. In this world, you will have tribulation. Now here, the have is indicative mood. That's why it's not in this world, you may have. No, no, no. See, it, now it's, it's real and happening. In this world, you will have tribulation. In my mid-twenties, I, I, I met a man, his name was Mick Yoder, Mick and Helen Yoder, and oh, several, many, you know, several years, not a whole lot, but years older than me, they had, had several kids, but Mick, Mick and Helen had lost a, a son in a, in a freak plane accident. You know, it's just like, it's just like a day like today, you know, and someone invited them to go up in his plane to fly him, and they did. They've done it a hundred times, but they had an accident that day, lost their son. But Mick said something, and it always stuck with me, and I didn't fully grasp it in my 20s, but I think I grasp it more fully now. He would say life would not be so hard if we did not expect so much from it. I don't think that's a pessimistic view. I don't think, I don't think what he meant by that was set your sights so low that nothing can get under it. You know, I don't think it's that at all. I think it's a sober acceptance of what Jesus says here in this life, you will have trouble. The word tribulation, the Greek thalipsis, it's used earlier of the anguish in childbirth, that just the anguish is the key thought there. But it means affliction, distress, trouble, suffering, hardship. This is not flat tires. The heater's not working. Traffic, this is not, this really is not that, y'all. This is trouble that crushes the life out of you. This is a hardship that makes you wonder, is it real? You know, this is take your breath away and rob you of hope, pain. This happens in life. Jesus says there's no escaping it. Fifth, he says, Jesus says we can have courage because he's overcome the world. Jesus says we can have courage because he's overcome the world. Uh, that phrase, take heart, it's not just like a euphemism. Um, it's literally translated in other places. Take courage. It's, it is be encouraged. Have confidence. Don't forget Jesus is telling them this. Do y'all know what's gonna happen in their world in the next 48 hours? 
When I say their world falls apart, y'all, it falls apart in ways that are traumatic. It's all gone. They'll watch Jesus beaten and bruised, hung on a cross, crucified. You know what I'm saying? This is, it's, it's gross. It's, it's, it's evil of all evils. And right in the midst of it, he says, take courage in it. On what basis? He says it because I have overcome the world. What does he mean I've overcome the world? All the forces of darkness and evil. You know, God, God purposed to redeem a fallen humanity and redeem a fallen creation from before time, God purposed this and all the forces of evil have always been against it, against it, against it, and always will be against it. And Jesus says, I've overcome them, I've overcome it. And we know he's overcome it in what's gonna happen because he overcomes it by his death and resurrection. See, the forces of darkness, the, the world forces of narc darkness at the cross, they say victory, right? But we know three days later, he bursts from that grave and we say victory. That's what he means. Here's, here's the thing to keep in mind. He overcomes the world, not you and not me because we can't. But in him, you see, in him is our victory. How do we know? Because he tells us. <laughs> then he demonstrates it. Okay, close your Bibles. I, I, I want us just pause and we'll get to our application. But it's just kind of hit me. Is I think... I don't know that there would be another human being who went through as much tribulation, trouble, trials, difficulties, hardships as he followed Jesus as the apostle Paul. Now, of course there, there's others, but you understand this, it was extreme for Paul. He never got over, right? His encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and never getting over it cost him dearly. And then I, when God told Ananias, go get Paul, go tell him, he told Ananias, I want you to tell Paul how much he must suffer for me. And boy, did he. Paul, in his own words, 2 Corinthians, he was beaten by Roman rods three times. He was pummeled with rocks once. And they just, you just stop there and you go, how many, do y'all have, have any friends that were ever stoned and left for dead? Not to be funny, I'm going, no, this is, he was stoned and left for dead. I've been shipwrecked three times. This is not like, you know, the boat sank, but we had life rafts. This was shipwrecked to die. Immersed in the open sea for a night and a day, in hard traveling in a year, in year in and year out. I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun, sea, and storms and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor. 
Many a long night, lonely night without sleep, miss many meals, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And, and that's not the half of it when you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the church. I mean, he had a physical illness with his eyes. Didn't go away. I've got something going on with my eyes now and it just freaks me out, you know, that something, it, can you imagine? But you all have things in your bodies that aren't right and going on. This, this is in our fallenness. How might the apostle Paul speak to us this morning regarding Jesus's final words? He wasn't there when Jesus said this. Oh, but he got it. I think I know what he would say. And, it, and it's tied to a story that, that Luke tells. Paul, Acts 27, is on his way to Rome. He's chained, he's a prisoner. He's on a boat and the boat's wandering, meandering. It kind of gets delayed by winds and storms. He ends up in a place called Fairhaven. What a, what a wonderful harbor, you know, great place to spend the winter, but apparently not. And the window of time to get from Fairhaven to Rome, the window had passed. What do I mean? Even the text says it, the window of, of safe travel. It's just like you and I, you know, don't book your, your cruise during hurricane season, okay? It, it was hurricane season and it's not time to travel. And so Paul tells the captain this, as I, you know, I, I don't think we should go forward. I think it's, there's, there's trouble, but the captain doesn't listen. I don't blame the captain at all because he's the captain and he's the prisoner. <laughs> uh, I think I know more than you, right, whatever. Well, the wind changes, it's favorable just for a little window. So they go out. This is one of his shipwrecks. This was a really bad one. So bad, they're, they're throwing stuff overboard. It goes on for days. They think they're perishing. They tie ropes around the boat, like send ropes underneath. Pull it out the other side, tie this thing together. Let's hold it together with ropes because the wind's gonna destroy it. And then right in the middle of that storm one night, an angel appears to Paul, speaks to him. And the next day, Paul says this, chapter 27, verse 25, he speaks to the captain and the crew and he just says this, There it is. Take courage. It, it's falling apart. In fact, it's gonna fall apart. Take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. And it was. It will be exactly the way God said it will be. You know, belief, trust in Christ is to trust it will be exactly as Jesus says it will be. And I put this up on the screen again and I'm just submitting, substituting your in there. I just want you to know Jesus says, here's what Jesus says will be. He says, your faith will falter and fail. Jesus says, your failure of faith has no bearing on God's ultimate purpose and plans. Jesus says there is the possibility of peace. Jesus says there's no escaping trouble in this world. And Jesus says you can have courage because he has overcome the world. Jesus is saying, I think, 
your faith is not as robust as you think it is. But my faithfulness is so much greater than you can even comprehend. I want you to sit with these statements and I want you to ask the spirit now, what, okay, what, Holy Spirit, so what? So what does this mean for me? What, he'll show you. It's God inviting you to trust him for in this moment. Would you take a moment and do that? I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back out and join me. When we give you these moments, to listen how God would have you apply the text to live it. Take a moment and talk to God. Father, we need more than just to hear these words. We need to trust them. For many of us, it's, it's really hard to believe. So I ask by your spirit, grant us that faith to trust while our faith is not as robust as we imagine and quite frankly, will never be. Oh, your faithfulness to us to your redemption of us is far greater than we can imagine. Grant us rest in this, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take your elements for the Lord's table, please? If you didn't get them, slip out, grab some in the back. If this is for those who've trusted Christ, you've put your faith in Christ. If you're a guest, you're welcome at his table. Go ahead and take the bread out, hold it in one hand, take the cup and hold it in the other hand. <coughs> Let's stand together. Let's stand together as we receive this table today. Paul writes in Galatians, he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. <laughs> When the fullness of time, see in Genesis three, God made that promise that there would be a male child born of a woman who would crush the serpent. It took thousands of years, redemptive history. But in the fullness of time, in that moment in time, it was time, it was time. And Jesus walked this planet, lived a sinless life, and then died on a cross for our sins. And so when we come to this table each week, you understand we're holding, we're holding the fullness of time. God sent his son. Lord Jesus, we remember at this table that your body was broken on our behalf. God the Father said it would be. As we're studying this gospel, we keep seeing you, Jesus, say, this is what's gonna happen, this is what's gonna be. You say it, and it is. And we say thank you. Receive the bread.
Jesus, you keep saying that you're going to die. You said it and you did. For in your death, you paid the penalty for our sin. You died our death in our place. In that death, and in our remembering it week by week, we're also proclaiming since you rose from that grave and you live, you are coming again one day to make all things right. We remember and we proclaim it, receive the cup. As a part of this table this morning, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you to turn to someone near you. We've done it, we've greeted one another, but I'm gonna ask you to do this again. This is not gonna be hard to remember, but I just want you to turn to one or two people around you and just, you're gonna say this to them, okay? Take courage, this is easy. Take courage. It will be exactly as Jesus says it will be. Say that, say that with me. Take courage. It will be exactly as Jesus says it will be. I want you to turn to some people around you. I want you to look in the eye and just tell them, even as I'm telling them. Do you know that who you said that to, you may not even know them. I assure you it's what they needed to hear because it's what each of us need to hear. And we'll sing together right now. A reminder to ourselves that it's in Christ and Him alone that all is well. These words we're gonna sing, I, I, Luke and I talked about this with this song, call up, we're gonna call upon the Lord, but we'll say this phrase, this we know, this we know, and it reminds me of the disciples saying, saying here, oh, now we know, now we know. They, they didn't quite, okay? But we're, if this is the cross, we're on this side of the cross. We know, can I tell you, this we know. We'll sing in the bridge, Jesus' name will break every stronghold. What is that? It's, it's Jesus. The victory is his. He's overcome every trouble and trial and tribulation. Doesn't, please, doesn't make it life on earth less painful. But in that pain, we, got, we have real hope because indeed he has overcome and set us free. Let's sing of that this morning.